Hey guys, it's Lauren Schmidt, Director of Ministry at Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. Well, that song, one of the areas in my life, in my spiritual journey, has been wrestling with the understanding and acceptance of my need for other things, other people, and even sometimes, God, I don't know about you, but as we were singing that song just now, I was even having a bit of a wrestling match in my soul where I thought, do I need Jesus? And I thought, well, right now, I don't feel like I need... And then my brain is what it is, and it said, no, you big dummy, you do need Jesus, even if you don't realize it. And it's true, because we do. Even whether we realize it or not, we true we do truly need Jesus every hour. So, wonderful song. Now, tonight in God's Word, we will be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll be back in 2 Timothy this week. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we were there last week and looked at the beginning of the letter to Timothy from Paul. And we talked about and looked at the importance of reaching others for Jesus Christ. Because we're looking at in this series, our mission as Christ-centered community church, as well as all the different ministries that we do as Christ-centered community ministries. And our mission for all of them is to build a Christ-centered community by preaching, teaching, and reaching our community through the Christ-centered ministries that we have. Now, as I mentioned last week, the order is a bit different this year because I wanted to really emphasize organically that progression of discipleship. And so last week, we looked at reaching others first because it's really hard to preach or proclaim or to share God's word with others if you haven't reached out to them first. And when we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 1 last week, we looked at the importance of having Christ-centered courage and Christ-centered confidence and understanding that those things come from our relationship with God and ultimately from the Holy Spirit working through us. That's what gives us the ability to be courageous and to be confident during difficult times and in difficult days to share God's word with others. This week, once we've reached others, we need to know what to do next. And that's what we're going to consider as we look at the end of 2 Timothy. Beginning in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Let's pray. Father God, as we consider 2 Timothy chapter 4 tonight, and we consider the call that we have here in the text to preach the word, I pray that we would understand the importance that it is our call as well, and that we would see what it means to have that call and how to do it. God, I pray for those that we would come into contact with who don't know you, your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask that you would do a mighty work through your spirit in and through us to preach your word. It's in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we see as Paul communicates to Timothy in that letter the importance of building the church at Ephesus, he called him at the beginning of the letter, as we saw last week, to be courageous and confident 
in the mission and task that God had for him. As he wraps up this letter, the end of the letter to Timothy, he wants him to understand the importance of using his life and ministry as the pastor there at the church to preach God's word. He charges him with that. And it is here in this text tonight, we're going to see that he prepares Timothy to preach God's word, to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. Another word is to share. And we see as we look at this particular text that there are three things that we can do or three preparations that we must make to fulfill our call or our charge, as Paul charges Timothy, our charge or call of preaching or sharing God's word. We see as we look at the text, the first preparation that we need to make is that we have to know what our call is. Our first preaching preparation is knowing our call, or as he says, knowing our charge. As we look at the text, we see first why the call must be answered. Because he charges them, he tells him, here's the call, here's the charge, here's why you need to be doing it. First, that God and Jesus are watching you. They're watching your life, they're watching how you do ministry, they're watching what your priorities are, and they see. Now, we readily understand that God is always watching us. And if we're asked, we go, yeah, I believe God is always watching us. But how often does the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father watching our lives, how much does that impact and motivate our desire to reach other people and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Paul tells him, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus, of Christ Jesus. So he says, we have to answer this call to preach the gospel because God is watching. It's, he's expecting this. The one who died for you, Christ Jesus, is expecting this. You're called to preach the gospel, to proclaim God's word, to share the book that we claim that we love. So you see, God and Jesus are watching us. And not only that, but they're also judging. They're judging. There is a judgment that we all face. Whether we know Christ or not, we all experience one form of judgment or another. In fact, there are two different kinds that we see in God's Word. As believers, our works are judged. Our souls are not. When we know Jesus Christ, we're born again. We're never separated from God again. However, the works that we do in our life, those that don't have value or stand up, are cast into the fire and burned up. Everything that you do with your life that doesn't really have merit before the Lord is, is will not uphold the judgment that God has for us. The other judgment for those that don't know Jesus Christ is, of course, separation from God in a place called the lake of fire and hell. And this is why we share the gospel. We don't want others to go through life and not know Jesus Christ, to pass on from this earth, and then to be separated from God forever and spend eternity in hell. It's terrible. We want God and we want others to know God and to have that relationship. So we see we have to answer the call because God and Jesus are watching. There's a judgment coming for all of us. Our works are judged and those that don't know Christ's souls are judged. We also see this as a kingdom work. It says, I charge you in the presence of God, who is to judge the living and the dead and by the appearing or by his appearing and his kingdom, because Christ is coming back one day. He's coming back for his church, for the body of believers. And he is going to build his kingdom here. And we see, of course, and we'll save the eschatology for another time, but there is a new heaven and a new earth. That's for another series. But suffice to say, God will build his kingdom. 
And he wants as many people as possible to be a part of it. And when someone comes to know Christ and is born again, they become a member of the kingdom of God. So we see we have to answer this call because there is a judgment coming. And we want everyone to know Christ and to come into the kingdom of God. So we see in that first verse why that call must be answered. And then Paul goes on to tell Timothy what the call is. He says, you've got a call to answer. Here's why you need to answer it. Here's what it is that you're going to be doing. Verse 2 in the first part. He says this, preach the word. Preach the word. That's the call. Now, as I mentioned already, other words are proclaim. We could also think in terms of sharing, whether it's sharing personally or in front of a group or what have you, in front of one or in front of many. It's all proclamation. It's all sharing. But he says, preach the word, proclaim the word, tell the word, share the word. That's the call. That's your life, the task before you. And when we think about doing this, when we think about understanding what this call is that we must answer, first, we have to know what the word is to begin with, right? Because we can't go do what we don't know. So we need to know the word. We can't share God's word. We can't share from God's word if we don't know God's word. And there are other various passages in Scripture that talk about committing Scripture to heart and how God uses that and the Spirit illuminates that truth in our lives because that's what He does and how He does it. But we must know the Word first and foremost. If you're going to preach it and proclaim it, it's got to be in here before it's going to come out here. It's just simply how people work. So if we're going to answer this call, if we're going to fulfill this charge, we have to know the Word so that we can share it. Otherwise, we don't have anything to work with. We also need to know when to use the word, and really how. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, preach the word, that's your charge, that's your call. And then he builds on that statement by saying, be ready in season and out of season. So be ready to share when you're going to know that you need to, but also be ready to share even when you have no idea when it's going to happen. That's what in season and out of season means. So does that mean we wait to understand who we are in Jesus Christ and understand what our salvation is and understand what it means to live according to God's word? Do we wait until we know we're going in to talk to somebody over coffee about that specific thing? No, we don't wait until then. Those are, should be things that we're learning and growing in in our relationship with Christ. So that out of the blue, somebody could say, hey, I heard this on TV yesterday or on the radio or I was at church yesterday or I'm going through this thing in my life, what does God think about it? And then you can, boom, go to it. You can share. You can listen first, of course. Let me emphasize the listening part, because we don't do that often enough. But then you can speak in a way that's informed through the Holy Spirit and God's Word. So we have to, we have to know it, and we have to know when, and we have to be ready for whenever, in season and out of season. And then he tells us some specific things that we do with the word when we know it. He says, be ready all the time to do certain things. Paul uses the words here, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. What I like to describe those as is convincing, checking, and charging. Now, when we talk about convincing, that's persuading. So we use God's word to persuade or to help somebody. The word reprove means to... Uh, if somebody is wrong about something, it's informing them about that thing. Oh, this is what God's word actually says. 
So if you hear some mistruth, which as we see here, Timothy, even Timothy was dealing with this. If there's some mistruth, we correct that. We persuade, we convince. And then he says to rebuke. This is somebody who's living contrary to God's word. When we talk about biblically confronting other believers, we don't biblically confront those that don't know Jesus because, well, how else are they going to live? They don't know Jesus. We don't, have, we don't have that same expectation before God. However, brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow believers, those are the ones that we rebuke. Those are the ones that we biblically confront and say, hey, I know that you want to live for the Lord and you've said as much, but there are these things in your life that you don't seem to care about or want to grow in. And that's checking somebody like in hockey. It's slamming their body into the boards, and really their soul, and saying, hey, there's something needs to change. So he says that we need to... Reprove, rebuke, and exhort really means to encourage or charge. It's to use God's word to strengthen and lift others up. And that's also something that we don't do enough today as believers. It's saying, hey, I really see God working in your life in this way, and this is what God says about it in his word. That's awesome. You need to do that more even. Or to encourage them to grow in their faith when they're discouraged or down. So he tells him, this is what your charge is, this is what your call is, and really this is what our call is as well. Our call is to preach the word, and we need to know the word, when to use it, how to use it, and what to do with it. And then there's a disposition with which we do it. Because how many, how many of you would love somebody beating you over the head with the Bible? Not physically, of course, I don't think anyone would love that. But they probably also wouldn't love having the word of God used against you or against them. Or abusing people with it, because that happens sometimes in church. So we see here in the text, he tells Timothy how to share the word of God, how to preach, how to proclaim. He says to do it with complete patience and teaching. What do those words mean? Well, with patience, we see it's understanding that people don't change overnight. Now, the Holy Spirit can change people overnight if he chooses, but more often than not, he doesn't. Growth is a process. And that is how God has made us. So when we work with people, talk with people, preach to the gospel to people or proclaim the gospel, yes, they might get saved right then, but then it also might take them seven years, a decade, 20 years to come to Christ. And it might mean us consistently sharing our faith and preaching the gospel, proclaiming over and over and over and over and over and over again until God says, okay, now it's time. So we do it with patience, and we also do it with love and kindness. That's that idea here where he's talking about teaching. It's that being patient with them and kind to them when they don't respond the way that we want to right away. And consistently going forward in our sharing. So there's a lot here packed into just these first couple of verses. And Paul says, Timothy, I want you to know your call. I am charging you with what is the most important thing in your ministry as I get ready to wrap up my letter here in chapter, in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. After this, Paul was going on, we know, to be beheaded. So this was the end of Paul's ministry, and Paul knew it, and he wanted one of the very last things that he communicated in God's Word to be the importance of preaching the gospel, preaching God's Word, proclaiming, knowing our call. That's the first thing we have to do before we can go out and do it, is we have to know what we're doing, right? How many of you would say, I've been in a situation where I was thrust into it and I had no clue what I was doing, and I was trying to figure it out as I went? 
We've all been there, right? But probably it was a mess, wasn't it? Paul says, Timothy, I don't want that for you. And Jesus Christ tells you tonight, tells us tonight, I don't want that for you either when it comes to sharing my name. I want you to know first what your call is. And then, as Paul continues, he says, not only do I want you to know what the call is, I want you to know what your context is for sharing the call. Context, and with the preaching, second preaching preparation, context is kind of the background or environment or the where we're doing the preaching and proclaiming. So Paul tells Timothy, you're going to be successful. You more or less need to know your audience, not just the ones that are in the building that you're talking to on a regular basis, but you need to know your culture. You need to know the context for where you're preaching and proclaiming the gospel. So he says in verse 3, he begins by saying, you need to be serious about these things. You need to understand your call, and your, and I'm charging you because verse 3 says 4. begins with 4. That's confusing a little bit, but 3 begins with 4. He says 4, or because the time is coming when people will not endorse own teaching, but have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So Paul is telling Timothy, look, things are going to get tough. Things are going to get hard to share God's word. It's going to become more challenging even than it already is. He says, your context is going to be wrought with difficulty, but it's worth it. He says, you are going to be trying to preach too. And those of you who share your faith at all today, well, you've experienced some of this stuff. He says, you're going to experience a time where people won't tolerate the authority of the Bible. They'll go, that's just an archaic book. There's lots of good books out there. While there may be some truth in the book, the book is not truth itself. They'll tell you truth is relative and that there is no objective standard for morality or ethics. You'll hear all kinds of things that are contrary to God's word and to God himself. And you're going to be thrust into a culture of that. If you're not, if he's already, he's already doing ministry. And hopefully you all are already doing ministry as well in your current cultural context and trying to reach people. But you've probably encountered people who don't have any regard for the Bible as a sacred text or the, the literal word of God to us. But he says, I want you to know your context. I want you to know that that's what you're going to be going into. And he says, not only that, I want you to know that there will be a time when people will prioritize what they want above everything else. Imagine that, right? That's not new, though, is it? Because the classic line from the book of Judges in the Old Testament is the man did what was right in his own eyes. And we see the cycle of Judges that I talked about a few weeks ago, how relevant that was, and it still is today. People still do what's right in their own eyes. They let their own personal interests and desires make their decisions, regardless of whether or not it hurts them or anyone else in their lives. They put themselves first. He says, you're going to be encountering a time where people prioritize what they want above everything else. In fact, we see here in regard to God's word specifically, he says, they will not endure sound teaching, but instead they'll have itching ears that will accumulate, collect like Pokemon, different pastoral teachers who tell them what they want to hear. Imagine that. They've got to catch them all. So you'll find people who will seek that out. And they won't be as discerning about the theology that all of these famous uh, celebrity pastors and preachers are sharing. They just know they have a name, so they'll just collect their teaching. And it was happening here in God's Word way back. 
They'll have itching ears that will accumulate or collect for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So whatever stirs something up in them, whether it's the Holy Spirit or just good old-fashioned emotion, they go for it. They pursue that. They chase it, right or wrong. In fact, he says they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You get this visual image or people of people just wandering away, just going off towards something that's appealing. Kind of like when I dangle things in front of my cat and he chases them, whether they're good for him or not, right? I mean, I wouldn't do anything with my cat that wasn't good, but you know, he's, his main drive and focus is what he's interested in and what he thinks is going to make him happy which is whatever it is that's going in front of his face. And he says that's what people will do. We see that today in our culture when there are some folks that like to, there's a, a phrase called church hop. Just moving from one church to the next until they find the church that best serves them. Rather than asking, how can I best serve church? It's completely on its head. It's an upside-down kick. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. There's a Ghostbusters quote for you. <clears throat> but that's what it is. They're looking for something, whether it's truth or not, whether it's myth or accurate. He says that is the ministry context in which you will be thrust, and in which you are ministering already. And folks, I don't have to tell you that that's where we are now, too. That is the cultural context that we have. And it shows and reveals all the more need to share the truth with other people. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as the only way and the objective standard for morality and ethics. And it's the living word of God. And it gives life where there's nothing but darkness and death. He says you have to know your call to preach the gospel. And you have to know the context in which you'll be preaching it. But don't be afraid because... Paul wants Timothy to know, and Jesus Christ wants us to know today, that we can have the character that we need to do the job. And that's what we see with our preaching preparation number three. So we know our call, we know the, our context, we also can know our character and how God can use us to accomplish the task of preaching his word. Verse five, he says, look, Tim, this is what you're supposed to do. This is where you're going to be doing it. And the fact, he says, it's not going to be easy. But he says, you though, Tim. Look, verse 5. As for you, he says, do these things. Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. What is he telling him there that he needs within him to do that? That the Holy Spirit needs to do in his life and through his life. First, Paul encourages exhorts we see the word there right exhort he exhorts him to keep his head when things get tough when he that's what he says when he says always be sober-minded when things get difficult keep your head he says rely on god's word on the truth that you have know that that is in fact the anchor for your soul he says keep your head when things get difficult because they will I just spent the last couple of verses telling you how difficult things were and are. But, he says, as for you, keep your head. Keep your head. Don't, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't, don't let that stuff get to you. 
have faith that you are on the right course and on the right track. Because Satan would love nothing more than to have you feel inadequate and inferior and ill-equipped to do the job when you have the option to be none of them. If you keep your head, be sober-minded. And then he says, also, not only be sober-minded, but be ready to suffer without quitting. Suffering is coming, but don't quit. And there's just something about not being surprised, isn't there? And one of the things when I used to be really into weightlifting, I knew when I walked into the gym that it was probably going to hurt really bad if I was going to take it seriously. But I knew that going in, and it made it easier to persevere through the workout. I wasn't surprised when all of a sudden my muscles were burning and it felt like my tendons were going to snap and all of a sudden I just wanted to take a nap and lay down on the bench. I knew that it was going to hurt. It was going to be tough. But I also knew that if I finished the workout, there was going to be growth on the other side. And that's how it is with suffering in life and in ministry too. If you don't quit, if you persevere through it, and you depend on the strength of the Lord, he will grow you through that difficulty. And that's what he's telling him here. He says, always be sober-minded, endure suffering. Know that it's coming, prepare for it, and then push through it. So he says, in order, he says, that, that's all character. Those are all character things, folks, as a believer. That's where your character is tested and refined, is in those times. Those times when you want to lose your mind, when you want to give up and quit and just not do this whole Christian thing anymore. He says, those are all character things, and God wants to grow character in you. And he says, not only that, not only do you keep your head, not only are you ready to suffer, but you also need to be ready to share the gospel with both what you say and what you do. He says, do the work of an evangelist. And we often think of evangelists as just being those who stand up and do preaching and all that to a big crowd and all that. But really, that evangelist, that word evangelism or evangelion in the Greek means to share a message. And it's not actually limited to big stage preaching. It's this readiness and awareness and desire to share, communicate a message. To just share the gospel, both with your words and with your actions and how you live. Because what did we find out in the 80s about evangelists? If there's a disconnect between what you say on stage and what you do in your personal life, that's problematic, right? For those of you who remember that. So if you're going to do the work of an evangelist and not an 80s one, you need to be able to live out what you say you believe. So he says, keep our head, be ready to share, be ready to suffer, share the gospel, and know and follow through on your ministry. He says, fulfill your ministry, complete your ministry, the ministry that God has for you. Whether it's a positional ministry in a church or some other ministry somewhere, or it's the ministry that you have in everyday life with the people in your life. That's still a ministry that Christ has for you. You know you have a call to preach the gospel. He says, now fulfill that call. Answer it. And fulfill it all the days of your life. So that someday, Jesus will say, you know what? You did it. You finished it. Great job. I'm proud of you. So as Paul concludes his letter and ultimately concludes his life, he calls Timothy to realize that preaching the gospel is the most important thing. That it's a call that he has, that he needs to answer, that he's going to be doing it in a very difficult world and very difficult society. 
but that he can have the character that he needs to get the job done. And I'm here to tell you tonight, and today, and wherever you listen to this, whenever you listen to it, that you can have that character too, if you want. So as we think about these things, and we think about our calling and our charge to preach God's word, I want to ask you, and I want you to ask you, first off, 1 to 10, 1 not very, 10 very, how comfortable are you with using God's word to share the gospel and how you got saved? Just get that number in your head. If someone came to you today and said, hey, can you show me from the Bible, from God's word, and, and or tell me from your life even, how you came to Christ, could you comfortably do that? 1 to 10, 1 not very, 10 very. So you got that number in your brain, I hope, or at least a ballpark. Maybe you're like, ah, somewhere from three to six. But I want to tell you tonight, if you have that number and you're less than comfortable, that you can go back and listen to what we looked at last week and you can work on growing in your confidence and your courage. But also I want you to know that we are here to equip you as a church. And in fact, as I've mentioned, we're developing the classes for our discipleship program or discipleship training program to help train you, one of those being to be more confident and courageous in how you share your faith, some of those specifics. And I again want to encourage you and Paul's word exhort you to take advantage of those classes when they're developed and also to begin talking to those of us who are in positions of servant leadership to share with you what that means and why it's important and how it can change your life as a believer. But I encourage you tonight, if this is not something you've taken seriously, sharing your faith, it's time that we start. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the letter of 2 Timothy. Thank you for the life of Paul that you use. Thank you for his willingness to be your servant. And God, thank you for the call and the challenge and the charge that we find in the text. God, help us to preach your word to be prepared to do it, to know what we're supposed to do, where we're going to be doing it, and ultimately what it takes by way of character to get it done. We thank you so much for making your word so clear and so understandable and so applicable. And it's in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless as you go forth to reach, preach, and teach the gospel and reach others for Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.